welcome to the Sausage Factory. So this is our regular look at the world of content marketing. So we're going to be celebrating the good and shining a light on what could be better with the single aim of encouraging the world to make better content. So some introductions for you. I'm Matt Laybourne. I'm a performance marketer and founder of Rocky, a content feedback platform. And I'm Mark Willis, creative director and copywriter and the person to blame for what you keep calling the over-indexing of sausage in this whole project. <laughs> uh, so together we will be grinding the good, bad and unidentifiable into 20-minute content sausages for you every single month. So what's coming up? We'll be interviewing a very important content marketer uh, and then we're going to introduce you to a couple of our regular features. Feedback will obviously be welcome on how good they are, of course. The first one is where we celebrate a true content marketing classic in Matt's Bangers. And the second is the opposite, where we're going to be introducing you to something called the sausage of death, where we celebrate perhaps not so good piece of content. And we try and dive into why that may be. But before we get into all of that good stuff, here's a short message from our sponsor. The Sausage Factory is brought to you by Rocky, the content feedback platform. Rocky will allow you to take the guesswork out of content performance with feedback from the people who matter most, and that is your audience. So find out what works and what doesn't and start making amazing content with Rocky. We better get back to the factory then. Obviously, we're in an imaginary sausage factory, so we've grinded all our ingredients and now we're going to blend them together. And that's the part of the show where we talk to a really exciting special guest, a content marketing luminary or celebrity but this is the first podcast and not because we couldn't find anybody else but because it's the first one you're in the chair so we're going to interview you find out a little bit more about you what this whole sausage factory thing is but before we get to that we've got the very important business of a little sausage quiz so the super important stuff first i might rattle through these make it quick fire Favourite sausage? Chorizo. Favourite sausage-based dish? Probably chorizo and paella. Nice. Mm. And preferred meat percentage? I have no idea. I just, I've never read of my meat percentages. Not a meat connoisseur? No, not a, ironically, as someone hosting a show that apparently is <laughs> sausage-based, I, I don't, don't actually know that much about the sausage itself. Okay, so let, let's not get into meat percentages then. And, you know, we've done the input, we've got the important stuff out of the way and talked about sausages. I guess that's probably a segue into what's the deal with the sausage factory. It's a title that I think reflects like my frustration or collective frustration. There's lots of people that feel this frustration with content marketing, particularly in B2B. It just feels really timely at the moment because chat GPT is obviously taking over and, and all, you know, you go on LinkedIn and Twitter and it's just endless guides as to how to constantly create more and more content. So like you look at kind of these trends where like the adoption of the, the market and content marketing was probably what, 15 years ago. And it feels like we're really hitting the peak of this, like, okay, everyone's doing it. Not everyone's doing it very well. There's lots of just really bad content out there. And we just love making more and more of it because it feels like that's the thing. That's the process that we're supposed to go through. And I just feel like there's a bit of it that's lost its way. People make content to tick a box. The purpose of content is to influence people. It's to 
it's to tell a story, it's to, it's to set a narrative, it's to, to genuinely be thought leaders and not just use that as a throwaway term. Like content is there to influence and drive engagement. And a lot of content is driven by the wrong behaviors now. So like an obsession with like keyword ranking, an obsession with trying to, I don't know, soup up social media engagement by like giving it a kind of a clickbaity headline, like seven reasons why you should listen to me talk about X. There's just a lot of crap that seeped in, in amongst everything else. your head with it? Well, it's funny that you kind of got to the word crap because I think it's probably come up for about, it's probably 10 years since one of our content marketing heroes, Doug Kessler, kind of made his predictions about the crap in content marketing and kind of identified lots of these problems a, a long time ago. And I guess the reason we're kind of talking about them now is that they've grown exponentially. And it it is as simple, isn't it, as that, that quality versus quantity debate we're so focused on churning stuff out that we don't think about whether it works whether it's useful Mm. to the audience and you know whether we should be doing it in the first place um maybe that's time to you know your experience of content marketing give us a little bit of your journey where did you start out and get involved in content marketing yeah, so I'm not a creative person, which is must be really reassuring to the audience to hear that on a content marketing podcast, but I'm not a creative person. I, I don't think I've got a creative bone in my body, <laughs> which, which is great, but like I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by what things work, what makes things work, what's effective, what's good, what does like, good performance look like, how does, how does the asset or the content actually drive behavior and then how do we go to measure that on with journey and how does it influence the business and you know really boring spreadsheety analyticsy type things so like my background is in performance marketing so traditionally digital media like seo paid search social stuff like that but i've always kind of started to kind of get this fascination between the different kind of variants of how things work on different channels like what drives higher engagement what drives higher recall and then for web-based content, what's driving the most traffic, what's driving the best engagement on that content, and then what's driving leads and, and conversions and things like that. So I look at it from a very analytical kind of black and white view, which is quite why I find this kind of process fascinating is because I really want to learn from like the people who can actually like spin up a narrative, drive a story, and then what's this perfect blend? Like, does it exist, for example? Like, I, I don't know what it is, but what's this perfect blend between you know, really good measurement and understanding of how it influences people and then driving that back into a process where actually we can use that to make even better content. We can be more effective. So that's kind of my angle coming at it. Yeah. So based on your experience, if I was to kind of ask you to summarize the the top three kind of most common problems that you've encountered with content marketing, putting you on the spot what would you say those three would be number one the biggest well, biggest problem we've got is endless production like we're now in a hyper hyper growth phase of endless production where people are going to go wild about chat gpt writing blogs articles and it and it can do it pretty well don't get me wrong but we're just we're adding to the noise so how do you stand out when you've got a market that's just going to get absolutely swamped in the next 18 months. It's going to, it's going to be crazy. So we don't quite know what's going to happen. So endless production is one thing. 
a lot of single use content coming out of there. I'll probably come back to this actually, but there's something really interesting in how much we make and then it might only get read by one or two people. Yeah. Again, you could argue in ABM, oh, that was brilliant because it was read by the right person. Fine, if you can prove that, but there's a lot of content that might not ever be read by anyone, but we made it anyway. So that's the first one. The second one actually is poor experience. I think that's a really fascinating one is because we, we just love making it, but then sometimes we drive it to really poor like web pages, like just the layout and UX and structure of stuff that has a huge influence on engagement. B2B obviously has an obsession with lead generation as well. So sometimes when you go on a website and you start reading something that could be really interesting, it's a pop-up going, do you, do you want to, do you want to download the ebook now? Do you want to fill in your details? Do you want to join our newsletter? Why haven't you joined the newsletter yet? And it's just like, okay, you need to chill out B2B and let me read the content and stop ruining my experience. So that's probably the second one. And the third one is obviously for me is, is measurement. And it goes back to that single use piece is constantly making it, pushing it out there. And we sort of sit back and go, okay, what, you know, what's the impact? And we don't know when so many organizations simply are not set up to understand how effective their content is. It's just constantly produced. Like what channels is it on? What should be the role of that channel? What should be the role of that content? What engagement are you trying to drive? How are you measuring it? What tools are you using? And like, what is your process to take that data and do something meaningful and interesting with it and not just look at a number and go, well time, three minutes. Is that good? Don't know. Doesn't mean anything on its own as a, as a siloed thing. So there's, there's three things there. Production experience and measurement is, is the problems. Well, no, like when, from a creative, you're, you're, you're the creative head in the room, Mark, what do you see? Well, probably one that kind of probably ties into all of the things that you've talked about, but the first one that always comes to mind for me and is that most content is most bad content anyway is about the creator telling the audience something they want to tell them whereas it should be and good content marketers know and do this it should be thinking about what the audience needs first so that's the thing that content marketers don't do enough put yourself in the shoes of the audience what's going to be useful and helpful to them um, and then you'll have a good piece of content if you work to that brief. Putting yourself in the shoes of the audience is one I'd mm. add to that. Obviously, we don't want this whole thing to become an advertorial for Rocky based on what I just said. You know, we, <laughs> we, we want this to be, uh, to be useful to somebody out there. But tell us a little bit about Rocky and where it's going and, and how it can be useful for content marketing. It's grown out of the problems that we're talking about, but primarily the first problem, it, it actually started as a journey where I was trying to understand how we could improve customer experience by building trust in content. There's, there's lots of interesting data out there at the moment, like the buyer journey now is more complicated than ever it needs to be like, a, there's something crazy, like 20, 30 touch points that people go on across different channels. And one of the things that's suffering is vendor created content because vendor created content has just been used as a lead gen thing. It's like, how can I just drive as many conversions of a gated ebook or a download X or Y that I possibly can. And Rocky actually started as a way of trying to build trust in those types of things. So our initial hypothesis was, well, if we can get people to leave ratings and reviews of that content, 
we could use it as a trust signal when people land on those pages to increase engagement and conversion, which felt like a really good starting point because we're helping improve customer experience. But actually, it's not the bigger problem. The bigger problem was very much around marketers don't know what good content is. So like the, the quote that came back from every single person we spoke to when we're trying to validate the platform was, at the moment, I look at analytics, I look at, I don't know, CRM, marketing automation data, and I look at the numbers and then I guess. I just guess. I have a hunch what the numbers tell me, like a high dwell time or a low bounce rate, and I guess how things have performed. Like, if you're guessing how well content has performed, that's is that a great brief for your creative team? Like, this blog was good, we, we think? <laughs> because it, people stayed on the page for a long time. It's just kind of nonsense. So, like, we've got a problem as marketers in understanding what effective looks like. There is a lot that numbers can tell us, but there is a missing piece there is the why behind the numbers. What? Why is that number interesting? And the only way we can do that is by getting feedback and by getting a qualitative accompaniment. Oh, I've made it sound like a little dinner there. A little accompaniment. If we could get something from the reader, which is actually, yeah, this was a really, this was helpful. This was a really helpful piece of content, but it was missing a source. I don't know what your references were, or you need to show examples of how this is actually put into practice. That's actually incredibly valuable for creative teams and for SEO teams to go, actually, we need to just adapt, optimize the content. And we're starting to get a feel about what works and what doesn't. And that's kind of where Rocky's started to get to. That was a really long answer to a very short question. <laughs> that's what the journey looks like at the moment. So it's early stages, but we're just, you know, we're trying to kind of figure out what that perfect qual and quant blend looks like. Yeah. And it does take us into like an important subject, which is feedback. And obviously we believe in the power of feedback and in doing this, we've said all the way along that we won't know if it's any good until we get some feedback from the audience if there is one like when we talk about feedback in content marketing what makes good feedback and what's kind of not good feedback in in your opinion you know what can you work with what's helpful yeah i don't think it has to be a necessarily a complicated process but feedback has to give you input and insight from people who are experts in that particular space or on that particular topic to help kind of validate what you're doing so not, not every content writer is necessarily a full-time expert in the thing they're doing if you're writing about cloud infrastructure or iot or something like that, it's very difficult for that person to know they're on the right lines or not and i think it's vital that in the kind of process to start creating that content they get feedback from that expert to just kind of validate the narrative, the direction, the, the data, whatever it may be, just to make sure things are right. And I also see there's another role at the end of the process where the audience are, are giving feedback as well. Like this was helpful. This helped me solve a problem. This answered my question. Um, and you've got this nice little loop that starts to emerge, which is, well, actually, I'm. this is a good way of actually driving a very quali quality kind of narrative throughout the content process. And like... I, I'm curious, like from a creative perspective, like how I don't know enough about this. Like, how do you how do you see it? <clears throat> well, just picking up on something you said, because you were talking about getting feedback at the start of the the process there as well, aren't you? So a lot of the time in the the creation process, potentially people get feedback on the work at the the wrong time, like that expert feedback that you're talking about. That would be really useful, you know, on a on a brief or at the start as input in at the start so that the person creating the content if they're not an expert in that particular area can 
create something that we think is in the ballpark. And then, as you're saying, you need the validation of the person that it's supposed to be helping. So our hypothesis would be, based on what this experts told us that we need to talk about that this is going to work for them but then there might be something that we've completely overlooked i think just from a personal perspective that's always going to be the most useful feedback is probably the negative in that something constructive that says do you know what this this article this video this blog whatever was fine but actually you skirted over the main issue and you went into more detail on this thing that I'm not particularly interested in or the the language was far too technical or not technical enough and getting that from the audience allows you to create something ideally change that piece of content make it better iterate but it gives you and your team some lessons for the next time you create something do you think there's like a problem sometimes in the process at the beginning where internally at organizations obviously there's always lots of cooks lots of chefs involved in in the mix what's the best way for a writer to actually kind of validate good feedback from bad feedback what should a creator look to do to try and to try and make sure they're getting the right information i think the first thing going back to that point about putting yourself in the audience's shoes is like the way that lots of content comes about is often the wrong way somebody think something is important and it's important to them so they decide they're going to create a piece of content about it we want as i said before we want to tell people this thing and it's always got to be done through the lens of well the person you're targeting do are they interested in that do they need to find out more about that thing as i said earlier on good content marketers are a lot better at doing that the research that goes into it now where you can, I forget what the site is, it asks the public or whatever, you can see the questions that people are asking. And if you're, you know, creating content to meet an audience need, that's the best thing that you can do in the beginning. Obviously, that sometimes comes with conversations to steer people away who might have different agendas. So get it, again, all comes back to thinking of the audience. Cool, that makes Uh, sense. I guess just kind of building from that, you know, we're, we're making content as well. We're making the sausage factory. And mm. are we contributing to the crap, I guess, is the question that's probably been going through both of our heads and probably still is. Yeah, it's, it's a slight, slightly terrifying prospect sitting in, in your house with a little microphone and going, I'm now, I'm now making a podcast. Um, quite possibly, to answer your question, that this is contributing to that noise. But that's kind of the, I don't know, the transparency that we kind of want to do things. It's like this podcast and what I, you know, we're trying to do with Rocky is is all about how can we start to separate the good from the bad? Like, makes it sound like a superhero movie, but it really isn't. How can we start to understand what effective looks like and, and what learnings can we take from it? So the kind of the goal of this podcast as well is to start doing that in terms of getting people involved, getting guest contributors who have their view on what makes good content, what is effective, and kind of continuing to try and find this mix of what's the perfect blend of data, insights, analytics, and kind of creative freedom to go and make those things. And then and then how do we how do we continually fight the robots at the same time and in our in our new AI content war? Or how do we work with them? Are they our friends, friend or foe? That's kind of where 
where we're going with it. In the, the kind of the theme of all of this, feedback is everything, like getting validation from the reader, the listener, the viewer, whatever it may be. I think that's still the strongest thing. Numbers can only tell us so much, but the audience can tell us a lot more. Yeah, and I guess, you know, our hypothesis was that there are other people out there who feel the same way about content marketing, who want to create good content. So if we created series that explored that, shared those things, then that might be useful to them. And as you say, we might get feedback on it to say, first of all, stop talking about sausages. It's just annoying. But also, do you know what? You're not going into enough depth about this or you're spending too much time on that. But as you said, we'll take that feedback on board and try and develop the show to meet whatever that feedback brings up. That, that is a direct call out to the listener. So if any of these features are absolutely bomb and you hate them, please tell us. Uh, and then we can keep a tally chart of who created the feature, whether it was me or Mark, and then a, a portion blame appropriately <laughs> to whoever did that piece of work. I don't think that's the best way of doing it, isn't it? That's this, probably not the best advice. No. <laughs> this is just your way of getting rid of the, the sausage uh, analogy, isn't it? Let, let the audience decide play Roman Emperor and kill the sausage. Margaret? Margaret? Where are you? I need to talk to you. Why, Peter, I'm, I'm here. I'm sat in the same room as you and I have been the whole time. Ah, sorry, darling. Darling, I'm worried. I fear I may lose my job at the content agency. They're telling me my dwell times are down and my bounce rate is high, and quite frankly, I'm simply guessing looking at all these numbers as to what people really think of my work. Why, Peter, you are silly. Have you thought about asking your audience? Why, Margaret, how, how would I do such a thing? Well, there's a tool for it. It's called Rocky. It allows you to identify your audience with custom questions. You can get ratings and you can get feedback on all of your content and you can use those insights to make even better content for those people, Peter. It's basically the missing metric that we've all been looking for. Why, Margaret, that sounds fabulous. How would I go about such a thing? Well, it's free, Peter, for 14 days and packages start at just 29 95 I suggest you give it a try or we'll all be out on the street, won't we, darling? <laughs> yes, Margaret. Quite, quite. So there we have it, some shameless self-promotion with that little Rocky advert. So what's that sound? It's the sound of Matt's bangers. So this is the positive bit. Despite what we've told you, that it is all cynical marketing bollocks, that's not necessarily the case. There are people out there who make amazing content day in, day out that have had a huge influence. We want to celebrate those people, their work, and, and what it's doing as well for their audiences. Because uh, at some point, we're all the audience for someone's content marketing. So this is a segment where we want to kind of celebrate those bits and pieces. Also, like if you have something that you've seen, you've read, you've heard, whatever it may be, please send it in. We'd love to hear your contributions to a piece of content that has really influenced you or you just loved how it was delivered and, and what it stood for. We really want to celebrate those examples. So this week, we're going to start off with a classic banger. Um, and Mark, talk, talk us through it. What have you found? This is a true content marketing classic, and most people will be familiar with this. It's the, the Michelin Guide. So originally, that was a guide to motoring, had loads of car-type stuff in there. 
and it was designed to get more people on the roads. I think it came out in about 1900, probably about 3000 cars or so in France at the time. Michelin obviously want people to get out on the road, use their tyres. And that's where it started, this guide to motoring. And now it's kind of the definitive guide to the quality of restaurants. And this goes back to what we were saying, it works on the very simple premise of finding something that's going to be useful to the audience. People read the guides, they get out and about, use their cars, that creates more need for tyres. And when they need a tyre, what brand comes to mind? Well, it's the Michelin one because it's famous across the world because of this guide. So obviously that's kind of evolved over the years. It started out free, now they actually charge people for it, which shows you know, how good the the content is. And it is one of the most famous and most quoted kind of pieces of content marketing and the origins of content marketing, along with the furrow, which is the John Deere tractor magazine, which does a similar thing, but is more farmy. A celebration, a three-star map banger for the Michelin Guide. But as you said, like, we just wanted to get the ball rolling. So we've used like a really obvious one, but this section, every week we want to be celebrating a piece of content that somebody in the audience has found and it will get them mats bangers <laughs> hopefully that's more of a reward than it sounds i never heard that story until you told me that like probably two or three years ago and i was like i never joined the dots together on that but i just love how that actually does so many different jobs for that brand where it's like actually it's it's like a, a weird measure of quality as well that you could actually link back to tires that's just like how's how did they manage that? It feels like classic ad man and ad woman type stuff where they've really joined together lots of different dots. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, even the stars in Michelin stars were originally kind of tied to journeys. So I think one star was like a worth stopping for. And then I can't remember what number two was, but three stars was worth making a special trip to go and see. That's obviously the the positive, the kind of celebration of, of great content marketing with a classic. Obviously, we're more at home with cynical nonsense. So our final feature is sausage of death. So might need a little bit of explanation. It turns out that the Danish slang for something that's really boring is dodenspolser, probably pronouncing that completely wrong which translates roughly as sausage of death. So that's going to be our nice uplifting way of kind of finishing the show. We're going to award one interminably dull piece of content or ineffective piece of content, the Dodens Pulsar title. I think originally this section was going to be called ebook of the week or something like that. So you can, you can kind of see where we're going with it. You know, you get to award this week the inaugural sausage of death, Matt. So what have you gone for? This is a real honour. I'm truly excited about this. I don't want to like land blast like the actual team that necessarily created this, but this is an example of just kind of a re I don't know, just like a slightly lazy bit of marketing. I love looking up bits of data and research and statistics and stuff to kind of help validate a point or to, you know, just check home right on a benchmark or something like that. So quite often, like I'll look up something like called the state of, because I want to get the state of a thing. So I looked up the state of digital, the absolute state of digital marketing 2022. You should have seen it compared the state of digital marketing 2019. There's a big difference, but the state of digital 2022. And I found this article, which was behind a 
gated page. And there's a whole, I could do a whole podcast about gated content, as I'm sure you can tell. But it said, you know, you get, get all the latest stats and things like that. Okay, that, that sounds great. In this infographic, I'm like, huh. So I've got to fill out a gate. I've got to give you my contact information for an infographic. And I was like, maybe they've got it wrong. Maybe they've got it wrong. It's not really an infographic. So I put in my fake name into the <laughs> into the thing because I didn't want to give them my real name because yeah. they didn't ring me. So I gave them a fake name. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, I called myself like Danny Rust or something from <laughs> Danny Rust Industries and then put an American phone number. So Danny, if you if there's someone out there called Danny Rust, <laughs> I apologize. But I downloaded it and it literally was an infographic with eight stats. Just eight different stats. So you could probably find this if you Googled State of Digital Marketing 2022. It was just a bunch of stats. No one had bothered writing out what the stats meant. There was no narrative between any of these facts and figures. Like I didn't really understand what the point of this report was or in any way how it was linked to the organization. I can't even remember what they do. I can drop a link into this without naming them directly. So if anyone wants to know who they are, I, I can send you this content. But it's just the worst example of like just making content for the sake of making content. And there's no way anyone who's downloaded this, there's no way they've gone on to buy anything or be influenced by this organ. I can't tell you the name of the brand. I have no idea what they stand for. I, I don't know why I've got this random information. I, the best bit at the bottom of this content, there was a call to action. Call the sales team. <laughs> what, what, what am I going to call them for? <laughs> Hi, just read the stats. Oh, some belters in there. 76% of people use mobile now. Oh, like, Just absolute nonsense. And that's probably put Danny Rust, whatever I called him, in a nurture now for the next six months where he's going to get infographics, white papers, and ebooks from this organization. Just do better. And this is feedback. This is what feedback is for. It's like, they literally just serve no purpose. Just <laughs> do better. So that, that was quite an aggressive sausage of death, or alternatively, the worst first. <laughs> yes. Let us know, worst first or sausage of death. Probably a reminder for us to get going on that state of content marketing infographic that we need to get out to everybody <laughs> yeah God, the senior leadership team really want that out there now um so that kind of wraps us up so hopefully you've enjoyed this inaugural episode of of the sausage factory we've obviously had some fun trying to put it together and, and seeing what you think let's wrap this sausage up let's get it packed up and put it back onto the shelves what we're going to hopefully do in future episodes as well is start to continually dissect what we think truly great content looks like. And the best way of doing that is getting in expert opinion, expertise, and the thoughts and feelings of lots of different people in the industry. I suppose the call to action for us is if you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you as well. So if you have contributions that you'd like to add to Matt's bangers or conversely, the, the sausage of death, please do let us know. So you can do so by messaging our Twitter handle, which is at Rocky underscore IO. Uh, you can visit us on LinkedIn, just look up Rocky or go and fill out a contact form on our website, which is rocky.io. So until then, that's all from me and all from Mark at the Sausage Factory. Thank you for listening and do not forget to give us your feedback. Thanks.